Praise the Lord. Join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for that wonderful time of worship. And, and uh, Lord, we're here with expectancy. We're here for you, Father. We want to engage you and encounter you. Uh, all of us have our different lives, our different paths, and different journeys, and different things that we are wrestling with, and things that we've had to overcome, but you know each one of us uniquely. You know each one of us intimately, and you're doing a work, a good work, that you're faithful to complete. And Lord, you want us to partner with the work that you're doing in our lives. And so, Lord, to that end, Lord, just really move on us. Give us the grace to be sensitive to what you're wanting to do in us today as a part of that journey and, and your call in our lives, Father God, that we will, and we will, it's our job to be obedient to you, Lord, and to trust you. And so we just thank you for being faithful to us in that way, Lord. Speak to us in and through your word uh, that we might hear and obey in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, today's message is a, uh, is, a, is a bit of a follow-up to the message I preached a couple of weeks ago. It is a follow-up. It was out with the old. So this is a part two to that with the emphasis on letting go of your regrets. So the challenge today is to let go of your regrets. Has anyone here ever publicly embarrassed him or herself? Don't raise your hand. No, this is. <laughs> you ever, so, I mean, <laughs> probably all of us, maybe some are too young to have done it so, yet, but trust me, it's coming. We probably all have done something in a public setting that made us not want to show our face in that place again for a long time. <laughs> uh, moments moments like well all of us went to school moments like being at school in that one class you share with a crush of yours and someone loudly points out that your shirt is on backwards at all the classes had to be that class right With my crush in there. I'm not speaking from personal reference. I'm just <laughs> saying it's, it's possible. Maybe you attended an important business meeting at work. You wanted to impress, so you were engaged, even flashing your pearly whites. But in the restroom after the meeting, you look in the mirror as you wash your hands and realize you had a piece of spinach stuck in your teeth the whole meeting. Maybe that wouldn't be an embarrassing moment for some. Uh, be an embarrassing moment for, for others, though, especially if you're one to impress. Here's one that hits home with me. Maybe... It was when you were finally told by someone that you had been calling a colleague by the wrong name. Yeah. <laughs> and you've been committed to it. You've been calling him that for months. 
maybe a year. I mentioned this, where my, Brittany's not in here, I talked with her. Have you ever watched the show Friends? Some of you are like, yeah, some of you are like, I don't even know what that is. Hit sitcom in the, in the 90s. It was all the rage back then. But speaking of saying the wrong name, there was an episode on that TV show where Ross was getting married. <laughs> he was getting married and accidentally said the wrong woman's name during his wedding vows. He was getting married to a British woman named Emily, and he, he wasn't over Rachel. And so instead of saying Emily's name, he said Rachel's name. And uh, Emily was more composed than I would have thought. Even the minister, uh, when giving Ross a do-over, they decided to do a do-over. Everybody was shocked. <laughs> Some were outraged, no, none more so than the bride-to-be. And the minister, before he gave a do-over, he asked the bride, should I do it again? <laughs> are you still, basically, are you still up for this? And much to my surprise, she said, go ahead and do it. But uh, you could tell she was wroth. And not to be a spoiler, not surprisingly, that marriage didn't last very long. Sometimes, like Ross with friends, your embarrassing mistakes can deeply hurt the ones you love. He didn't mean to do it. It came out. It was an accident. It was a mistake. But mistake or not, a mistake can still hurt someone very deeply. And sometimes those are things that you can't take back, right? The, the, the effects of them can't just be wiped away. But there are other times when the people that you love suffer hurts because of intentional choices or actions on your part that you now regret. So whether it's an accident or whether it's intentional, I want, I believe God is challenging us to reflect on those things because regrets hamper us. Regrets hinder us. Regrets plague us. Many times it's deep regrets that keep us in the pit of despair instead of us going on with God. So I just, I wanted to say that because I didn't want us to just focus on mistakes I want it to be mistakes and intentional choices and actions that upon further reflection we look back on and we regret. I know I have many, some of which I've shared in messages in, over the past several years. Maybe you have many too. I want you to know there is hope for you. depending on how deep the hurts are, depending on the level of consequence, it's not something that's going to be resolved tomorrow. 
It's going to take a lot of intentional effort and perseverance on your part, but it is not something that you can't overcome. Victory is yours in the Lord. Amen? Amen. And so, intentional hurts and actions that we now regret. Perhaps you broke someone's trust by lying to them. We live in a, an internet age. We live in a social media age uh, where it's a big deal if you unfriend somebody or unfollow somebody or block somebody or, you know, you can, it used to be you had to say something face to face or at least on the phone, but now from the safety of your keyboard and your computer or your phone or your tablet, you can fire away whatever nasty gram you want to send and, and, and there's no consequences. Seemingly no consequences, but if you do that to someone who's a friend, then there's broken trust. There's, there's, there's betrayal. There's hurt there that, that needs to be dealt with, that needs to be addressed. So perhaps you broke someone's trust by lying. Perhaps you said, uh, a, said a nasty comment. Maybe you had a... Um, a life-controlling issue, an addiction, a habit. You stole money from somebody you love. You stole money, you pawned stuff. You just did, you did things in the pursuit of that addiction that you now, with that addiction behind you, you still, you still carry it, and it weighs heavy on you with regret. Or maybe you cheated on your partner. That led to a heartbreaking breakup or divorce. This is real talk today, right? It's not, you know, it's not all bubble gum and cotton candy, man. This is real talk. This is real life. And I'm bringing up these issues because this is a lot of people sleep with these issues. A lot of people live in that headspace, and a lot of people are in that vicious, dysfunctional cycle uh, controlled by regrets. And God doesn't want you to be controlled that way. I was reading an article, and it referenced a book uh, by a uh, palliative caregiver named Bronnie Ware, who you know, palliative caregiver. They deal with a lot of people who are in the dying phase of life. And that book pointed out a couple of things. People don't, in the top five regrets are not just things that people did, but things that people didn't do, actions they didn't take that they wish they would have. And of those five, I'll just list them. The top five regrets of those in the last moments of their life include working too hard, you know, not really spending enough time on family and, and, and loved ones and being there for important moments because you had a career, you had something you were trying to accomplish, and that was the priority. Two, not expressing their feelings. Never going around really letting people know how they really felt about things, bottling things up, 
playing a role, keeping the mask on, not really being true. Always constantly frustrated and and feeling unappreciated and unseen, but it's kind of hard for people to do that if you're hiding your feelings and not letting it be known. If what someone's doing to you is affecting you in a negative way, it's not a sin and it's not rude for you to say it. Oftentimes the loving thing to do is to say it because the person may not know that they're impacting you in that way. And, it, and I tell you what, you need to know whether it's intentional or not. <laughs> and you won't find out if you're not honest about how you feel. Okay, that's two. Not staying in touch with friends. I would say, you know, friends or family members. That's a regret of mine. This may sound strange to some, but then again, it might not. For not letting themselves be happy. And five, not being courageous enough to live true to themselves. Living according to what someone else wants or expects out of you instead of being true to yourself. So you're always trying to live up to someone else's expectations. You're always trying to live up to someone else's standards instead of being true to yourself. These are the top five regrets. The most common, there are others, but, you know, I, I don't think it's necessary to go past the top five and maybe... You know, people in their latter moments of their life, they're in the 11th hour. They know that their time is limited on this earth. They're, you know, there's only so much they can do in the time that they have left. But we're all sitting here today. Some of you may be able to identify with one or more of those five regrets. You still have time. You still have the ability to make the choice, to make a decision, to change things in your life. Are you hearing me? Right? And God is speaking to you today for that purpose. Because those regrets have had a controlling influence. Those regrets have impacted how you see yourself. Impacts, it impacts what you perceive your value to be. It, it impacts how you think others see you. And usually it's negative. It even impacts how you believe God sees you. And it makes you hesitant. You feel unworthy. You don't feel like you're worthy enough for, for you to go on with God and do great things with God because you're still stuck in a moment of regret. God wants you free of that. You're hearing me today. So some regrets are small. I've had plenty of regrets, and I've been able to quickly uh, move on from them. But other regrets carve a deep scar in us that influence our thoughts and actions for years to come. 
we went, I went through a ministry called Father's Heart, and that takes a deep dive into you. If anybody, if you haven't gone through it, it's a tracing fruit to root type of ministry. And um, I tell you what, uh, <clears throat> there were times when, I don't know, Christy, how old was I when we went through that? Mid-30s? But I tell you what, I, there were moments where I turned, in that moment, it, I, it, it, I tell you, I was that six-year-old boy all over again. I was that balling 16-year-old boy. In the other moments, I was that 12-year-old boy. <laughs> I was that 15-year-old. Traumatic moments in my life that were impacting me. I didn't realize that they were, those moments, unresolved, the trauma of those moments were root issues, root causes of the fruit that was bearing out in my life. And that ministry shed a light, helped me trace back the why and wherefore <laughs> of my actions. And then once that was identified, we were able to walk me through some steps for healing. Now I knew what to deal with. It was more than just trying to grin and bear it and trying to make it so, make myself stop doing unhealthy things. What I, the visual that I got, the, what I was doing, my best efforts, I knew the stuff was dysfunctional. I knew it wasn't healthy. I knew there was a better version of me that God called me to. And yet, my best efforts, I was unable to will that into being. My efforts, as long as that root cause was unaddressed, all I was doing was pulling the diseased fruit off the tree. Wasn't changing anything because the diseased root was going to produce more diseased fruit in its place. And so once the root was able to be addressed, then guess what changed in my life? Healthy fruit was able to be produced. And that's why it's important that each and every one of us do the same. There was a study, and I'll get to the, trust me, I'm getting to the scripture at some point. There was a 2011 study. <laughs> there was a 2011 study in the Personality and Social Psychology Bulletin, which revealed about 90% of adults have deep regrets about their lives, and that the more they dwell on it, the worse their quality of life tends to get. So dwelling on these deep regrets not only doesn't do any good, it actually makes things worse. Right? So it's important for us to recognize, acknowledge, and let go of our past regrets so we can freely step into all God has for us this year. We're still in January, but January will be over before you know it. We're on the back half of it, or back third of it. You know, we're, what is the day, the 21st? Next thing you know, it'll be February. February is a short month. Uh, next thing you know, it'll be spring. We want to get a hold of these things now. Let's respond to God. 
right away. Let's not put it off. Next thing you know, we'll be 4th of July, and next thing you know, it'll be Christmas again. And we'd be wondering where the year went. Acts chapter 26, starting at the first verse. This is a prominent biblical figure who had to let go of his deep regret. This is the Apostle Paul. Like Jesus, he has been railroaded by the religious leaders and they want to they want to get rid of him. They want to kill him just as much as they wanted to kill Jesus. And it starts off in verse 1. He says, so Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, I'm going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. Like, these people know me. They know my history. They've known me from a child. They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. Now, that's not something he's proud of. We're going to find out he has regrets about that. But it's part of his story. It's a redeemed part of his story. But he's beginning to give a testimony to King Agrippa right now. And these people, my accusers, they know how I live my life. I was more Pharisee than they are. And yet, here I am before you with them wanting to give me the death penalty. They have known for a long time, if they're willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers. Think about that. I'm here because of my hope. Not just my hope alone. This is not just just me, isolated. I'm here because of my hope in the promise that God made to our forefathers. How twisted is that? To which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, I'm accused by Jews, O king. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. What he's really saying is when the subject of whether or not their their crime warranted the death penalty I cast my vote for death penalty whenever I could. 
So he was responsible for the beating, the imprisonment, and the capital punishment of people who were doing nothing more but following Jesus. And yet, Jesus made him an apostle. You talk about regret. I was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and I did so in Jerusalem. Only, I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in all the synagogues. He chased them into the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. In other words, he wanted to make them renounce Jesus as Lord and Savior. Wanted to make them renounce the gospel, which he now knows was him pressuring them to blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. They ran to foreign cities. He pursued them to foreign cities. He was so zealous to wipe out Christianity. He did it in his ignorance. He thought he was protecting the Torah. He thought he was protecting their faith. But now imagine the deep regret that he knows how far he took things now that he knows the truth. So in his zealousness, he did all those things. then came to the realization that by persecuting Christ's followers, he was actually fighting against the Messiah he was waiting to see arrive. And like I said earlier, despite all of this, Jesus chooses Paul to be an instrument for him and sends him to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Let that be a hope and a source of encouragement to you that no matter how bad or how vile or how embarrassing or how hurtful your actions were in the past, there is nothing that is beyond God's ability to redeem about your life. There is nothing about your life that is beyond God's ability to redeem it. And God can use that. Once it's redeemed, he can use that as part of your story to show his ability to redeem to the utmost. Amen? Amen. You can turn that and make your story something that abounds to the glory of God. And it resonates with people who are where you used to be. But for God, you might still be there. I hope that's I hope that's ministering to you today. Though Paul's ministry would lead to the spread of the gospel throughout Asia Minor and Europe, he carried the regret of persecuting those who would later become his brothers and sisters in Christ. In his letters to Corinth, to the Corinthian church, Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 15, 9, 
He said of himself, I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. That stayed with him. He didn't dismiss it. However, just in case, even though Paul acknowledged the regretful decision of his past, he did not allow those to stop him from receiving God's forgiveness and grace. Don't stop yourself from receiving God's forgiveness and grace. Don't let your regrets cause you to reject the very thing that you desperately need in order for you to heal, in order for you to be made whole, in order for you to be able to move on with God according to his purpose and plan for your life. In fact, Paul leaned heavily on God's grace. And allow God's grace to work through him as he ministered. You want to go back to 1 Corinthians 15. If y'all can go down to 9 and uh, 10. Right after he said, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. This is not self-condemnation here. This is not someone who is in that pit. And refuses to get out of it. It's not, you know, this is not somebody that's stuck there. This is somebody who is telling us that as a chapter in his redemption story. Right? This is what I was, but I met Christ, and I am not that any longer. Here's what I am now. Right? And so, Jesus, in Jesus, all things can be made new. And even, even your life can be turned from something that's that's burned ashes into something beautiful for the Lord. And so he said that, then he says, but, everybody say but. All right. So I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. By grace through faith, we have been saved. Amen. We're not worthy to be saved. We could not behave well enough to earn it. But by the grace of God, we are who we are. By the grace of God, we're sons and daughters of God. By the grace of God, we have the salvation of the Lord. By the grace of God, we are redeemed. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, you know, he felt like he had a lot to make up for. <laughs> you know? On the contrary, I worked harder than all of them. Now, I had them put down verses 3 all the way to uh, verse 10. He, he gives an account of what Jesus did for us, dying on the sins, and he, who all he appeared to after he rose. And he says, like one born out of season, out of time, he appeared to me last because I was unworthy. But on the contrary, he said, I might have worked harder than any of them, though it was not me, but the grace of God that was with me. Amen. Right? 
he still gives the glory to God. See, this wasn't a self-effort thing. Just in case you started to think that he is tooting his own horn about his own self-effort and how hard he worked compared to everyone else. No, 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 no. That was the grace of God working in me, working on me, working with me. That enabled me to do what the Lord called me to do. So if you're struggling with feeling not worthy of God's grace, of God's mercy, of God's love, and so forth, let me just be very clear to you, with you, you're not worthy. You didn't, you didn't expect me to go there, did you? No, no, I want to be clear with us. We're not worthy. We don't deserve a thing God does for us. We don't deserve all these blessings that we have. We don't deserve this salvation that we have, this hope for eternity that we have. We're not, we don't have it because we deserved it. We don't have it because we're worthy. We have it for the grace of God, for God so loved us that he gave us. Amen? So God already knew. We weren't worthy. That's why Jesus was necessary, right? So why be stuck in that feeling of unworthiness when God made provision to overcome the unworthiness? He made it by grace through faith. Amen? And so we need to have our minds renewed so that we're not stuck believing lies contrary to scriptural truth. See, the devil, he can take a little bit of a little a truth and bend it to something that is unbiblical. Are we not worthy? True. But then it's the next step beyond that, right? We look back at our mistakes and our faults, and all of a sudden, hey, we're disqualified. We're not worthy. Paul said that of himself. I'm not worthy to be an apostle, but by the grace of God, he made me one, right? <laughs> if, I was, if, if, if I was the judge, I wouldn't have chose myself because of my history, but God chose me. And he gave me the grace to walk in this that he's called me to, right? So don't disqualify yourself based on past reflection. What we need to do is give that to God, engage God with it, and, and allow him to redeem it. Because that's what he wants to do because he's got stuff for you to do. There's people for you to encounter, people that you are uniquely quiet to, uh, 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 um, qualified to reach with the gospel. People who are walking in bondage and they need someone to help them get free. Someone who relates, who can relate who knows what it's like to be in the bondage that they walk in and found a way out in Christ. So, like Paul, we're going to have to acknowledge any feelings of regret that are impacting the way we see ourselves. We, we, we can't go another year allowing those things to have their way. These regrets can't continue to trip us up. Let this be the year. Yet this be the day that you begin 
to turn the page. Acknowledge those feelings of regret that are impacting the way you see yourself. Because if we choose not to acknowledge these feelings and to keep them hidden, then we'll allow the pain of our past to limit the potential ministry God wants to do through us. And that's why God, I believe, that's why God has me speaking to us today. He wants to remove the limiters so that we can run free in the Lord. Y'all okay? So, letting go of our regrets and working through the pain of our past, I said earlier, it may not happen overnight. The deeper it is, the harder it's going to be. It's often a process we need to work through over time with God and with others. See, church is to be done in community. We need people. We need each other. And guess what? We're, we're supposed to be available to one another to do our part to help each other work through some of those past regrets and, and to uh, allow the Lord to heal us in light of his truth so that we don't allow feelings to lie to us, to keep us trapped in deception, living in doubt, fear, and unbelief. Once we recognize our regrets are holding us back, there are about six things, six or seven things that I have here that I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish with this. And I asked, uh, thank you, Desi, for uh, getting these up here. I'm going to list these things off. And uh, we're going to have each one up on the screen behind me for those of you who are taking notes and may need uh, a little time to, to write those down. But even if this hasn't happened quite yet, I don't believe it's the case, but uh, I believe everybody already has something in mind that the Lord has really uh, impressed upon you that are some regrets or uh, some either past sins or regrets or whatever that are impacting you in a negative way right now. If you have had those things impressed upon you by the Lord, then I strongly encourage you to write it down. Name it. Identify it. Write it down. Keep it before you. Because you're going to have to partner with God going forward in addressing those things and taking away their power to impact how you live in a negative way. So, So they must have, you must acknowledge them. You must identify them. And once you've done that, now these are things that are holding you back. I didn't realize root issues had been holding me back until I went through that Father's Heart ministry. I realized the issues that were right in front of me, but I didn't realize the, what I thought were issues were really symptoms 
of the real issue. So don't make the mistake of assuming that what's right in front of you is the issue all the time. It's not that it's not an issue, but it may be a symptom issue of a root issue. Right? And we've got to care enough. We've got to want it badly enough that we want to do a deep dive and we want to figure this thing out. God, what is this? Right? Is this a root issue or is this a symptom of a root issue that I may not be aware of? And then we commit that to prayer and we commit to engaging God around that, trusting that God's going to bring, is going to reveal the matter to us and he'll light the pathway forward for us. He either do that through his word, he'll do it through a brother or sister. <laughs> you know, he'll do that in different ways. All right, so once you recognize your regrets are holding you back, these aren't like earth-moving deals, but it's just biblical truth. One, bring those regrets to God. Confessing and repenting of our sin that created these feelings to receive forgiveness from God. And that's the first John 1, 8 and 9. You know, it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Yet we always hear 1, 9 quoted, but 1, 8 isn't always partnered with it. And I felt it necessary to do that today. So let's acknowledge the sin of our past. Let's acknowledge that we regret them and we're not trying to live in our past, but our concern is we do not want to be so tied to Egypt anymore. At some point, there needs to be a Red Sea experience that severs the tie forever. And God is calling you to that Red Sea. He told, he told Moses, when Moses was stuck, Red Sea in front of him, Pharaoh's army pursuing him from behind, they're in a no-win situation. What can we do? God said, what are you looking at me for? Raise your staff up. God was going to do the miracle, but he required something of Moses. God's going to do the miracle in your life, but he requires something of you. Right? We're going to have to take ownership and be active, actively engage God concerning our deliverance. And so that requires us being honest, making an honest self-assessment, not deceiving ourselves. Lord, I'm bringing this to you. For me to not acknowledge this would be deceiving myself, but I'm confessing the wrong that I have done. And I'm doing it in faith because I know you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Two, forgive yourself by remembering that the Spirit of God has set you free in Christ from the condemnation of sin and death. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. Three, 
Focus on the next goal God is calling us to in Christ. One of my favorite verses in Philippians, Paul says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm, I, I'm no longer living back there, right? And the, but as long as I have these regrets that are undealt with, unresolved, Really, whether I realize it or not, I'm living back there, right? And so part of me striving for what's before, what's before me requires me to do the necessary work for me to cut ties with what was behind me, including those regrets. Does that make sense? Four. Allow God's grace to redeem our regrets by using our story to minister to others. You know, there's, sometimes there's ugliness in our stories that we just rather not have people know about. You know, but sometimes the ugliest parts of our story are the ones that resonate and help people, help liberate people the most. There's something freeing. There's something liberating in realizing you're not the only one. See, the devil would have you isolated. He would have you afraid to share those parts of your story, right? Because he doesn't want there to be community. He doesn't want community to form that can help pull you out. He wants you to isolate yourself thinking that only you. How might people think of me if they knew this part of my past, right? And so we'd rather act like it never happened. You know, if it was a, uh, if you picture it like a house, you know, you realize you have uh, uh, mold on, on your walls or whatever. You know what? What we try to do sometimes is equivalent to we're just painting over it, right? The wall is rotting out. The wall is unhealthy. Well, we'll just do a patch. We'll do a paint job over it. It looks nice, but up under the surface, it's ugly and it's rotting. And it's killing us, right? And so we don't want to repaint when it's time to resheet rock and just do everything new. Amen? So let's let God do the full work that needs to be done and not patch up something that needs to be redone. What number did I do? All right. Thank you. Remember, Paul said, but but by the grace of God, I am what I am. I didn't earn this apostleship. I'm an apostle by the grace of God. I worked harder than everybody, but it wasn't really me doing the work. The grace of God that is with me enabled me to do it. Five, give thanks to God for his patience despite your shortcomings. 1 Timothy 1 verses 15 and 16 say, This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 
of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost sinner, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who would have believed in him for eternal life, right? Right, in me. I'm the chiefest of sinners, but I'm also an example of the perfect patience of Jesus. The one who saves sinners. Six boils down to that word again, community. Surround surround yourself with Christian community for accountability and encouragement. I know we all got our individual lives and we've got mortgages and we've got car notes and we've got a lot of stuff to go on. But, you know, in the middle of doing life, there is room to do life with others. And we are called to that as followers of Christ. Not a suggestion, we are commanded to that as followers of Christ. And so it's our responsibility to to walk in that way. And let us, the scripture I put in there is Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25, which says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Right? So... We are to exist in community to stir each other up, to spur each other on to love and good works, and to encourage each other. You know, when one of us is feeling down and not feeling very Christ-like, hey, no, 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 no. By grace you have been saved. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You are a new creation. You can do this. When one of us is getting weak, the other is there to give them strength. A kick in the butt if they need it. And I'm not, I debated whether or not to put this in here, but I'm not, look, if necessary, don't be afraid to seek professional counseling. That is not a sign of weakness. As a matter of fact, it's a sign of strength that you're willing to be transparent and vulnerable and take your issue to someone for the purpose of being helped to overcome it. There was a time when there was a stigma attached to it, but now mental health issues and everything, you know, it's okay to be more open about those things. It's, it's, it's okay um, to let it be known that you need, you have an issue and that you need some help. And there is a lot of help out there to be had, good help. But I will say uh, the main point of seven, and I, I could have put the, uh, the deal about professional counseling at the end as a tag along, but I just really, this is not an exhaustive list. So I wanted to finish by saying, make every effort to lean into God. To lean into his grace and mercy concerning your past regrets. Don't just concede. Don't just idly stand by and just accept it as a cruel twist of fate. Don't just 
you know, don't just list your way through life and everything just to say with, the, with that mentality of I'm only human. No, you're not only human anymore, right? You, you know, you are a child of the Most High God. And the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And he will lead you and guide you into all truth. Convict you of sin, lead you in the way that you should go. The Holy Spirit is working in your life. God's word is truth, sharper than any two-edged sword. You're not sure what's true, you know where to go. The word of God. It'll divide between soul and spirit. It'll enlighten you. It'll reveal to you whether you're in your soul (laughs) or if you're in truth. So make every effort to lean into God's grace and mercy concerning your regrets. As we lean into God's grace and mercy, we will eventually arrive at a point where we can live without our regrets, A, paralyzing us, and B, preventing us from grabbing hold of what God has in store for us. And that's, that's the message for you today. Many of us deeply regret our past harmful behavior that we may have engaged in, even missed opportunities, opportunities that might have been missed because of the controlling influence of past regrets on our lives. You never know. Sometimes we give off something that works against us. We don't get picked. We don't get chosen for whatever. It's a, if you've got a negative self-image, then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I knew it. I knew it before I even came up here. I knew it before I even interviewed. I knew it before I even auditioned. I knew it. I knew how it was going to turn out. You know, it's time to, uh, you know, to, to, to abandon that negativity and start engaging God anew and afresh every day. Lord, what do you have for me today? I don't know what you have for me today, but I am full of hopeful expectation because I know whatever you have for me today is going to work out for my good. I know you favor me. And Lord, before the day even gets started very well, I'm going to acknowledge there may be some things you allow in my life today that I don't like. But I'm not going to allow my feelings about it to lie to me. I'm not going to let them control the narrative in my mind. Even before it happens, I am going to choose to embrace the truth 
of your word. That even trials that happen, you allow them to happen to build my character, my, to develop Christ-like character. So if you decide that today is a day for you to bring the fire, then Lord, my attitude to you is let it burn. Bring the heat because I don't just want to know Jesus in the power of his resurrection. I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. I don't want to just know Jesus' miracle working power to heal the sick and all those other things. I want to know and I want to know and experience his miracle working power to change my heart, to heal the issues of my heart to mold me and shape me and chisel me into the man of God I know I ought to be. That's a miracle too. Right? And that's a miracle that we ought to desire, that we ought to crave, that we ought to be hungry for. That's a miracle that we ought to be celebrating and championing and encouraging one another in the pursuit of. Amen? The other stuff will happen, but man, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And, and people need to see less of us and more of Christ that's in us. No more missed opportunities because of unresolved past regrets. No more holding on to those regrets. Limiting the healing that God desires to do in us. So as we acknowledge our regrets and let go of the pain, I'm going to ask you guys to stand. As we acknowledge our regrets and let go of the pain we have caused those we loved, we can receive grace and forgiveness with the help of God and one another. Hallelujah. Is that, is that something that you are willing to take part in? Is that something that you feel that you can do? Don't be afraid. Go ahead and answer. It's not just rhetorical. But I want you to consider that before the Lord. And I want you to be definite with God. And give him your yes. Your regrets have been laid bare to you by God. I have little doubt of that. Now the ball is in your court. To engage God concerning those things. That he might do that miracle work, that miracle work in your heart. And give you the grace to do whatever amazing thing he has for you to do. You will not have earned it, but God's grace and mercy will give it to you. Amen? Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word, Lord. 
for using this humble servant of yours to share your word to us and to challenge us in this way, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for the heart of your people. Hearts that are soft and yielded to you. Who are willing to make the choice to no longer allow past regrets to eat them alive. No longer to allow past regrets to grab the steering wheel and and have control over the direction of their lives. But today are making the choice, the decision to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This day, I take the control from my past regrets and I yield that control to the Lord my God. And Father God, I thank you that as they engage you, around those revealed regrets that have been holding them back. That healing will be theirs in Jesus' name. Liberty will be theirs in Jesus' name. Victory will be theirs in Jesus' name. And whatever it is you have called them to, they'll finally be able to grab a hold of it and move forward in a powerful way that brings glory to the name of Jesus. people to faith in him. I thank you for it all, Lord, and give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah.